Well, good morning to each one. It's good to see each one of you here this morning. This crowd is a bit intimidating. <laughs> I thought of that song. Boy, if I ever needed the Lord, I sure do need him now. <laughs> but we're glad you're here. And yes, I'm a bit nervous, but uh, the Lord will help me with that. This past Friday evening, Beverly and I went out for supper, and as we were there enjoying our meal, three men came into the dining room. The waitress brought them in and set them down at a table next to us. The one man I recognized, and I acknowledged him, and we said hello. The other two I didn't recognize them. I couldn't say their names. They looked familiar. They definitely belonged here in Halifax County. But as they approached the table next to us, I noticed one of the, man was, one of the men was using crutches. And my first thought was, well, he probably has a sprained ankle, broke his foot. But as he approached the table, I noticed the man was missing a leg. All he had was a short little stub. Now what immediately stood out to me was the expression on this man's face. It was a happy, pleasant expression. And it immediately intrigued me, a man missing his leg with a happy, pleasant smile on his face. They sat down. And I try not to stare, but you know, I am a Mennonite. <laughs> but no, as I watched those three men enjoying their time together, this man with the missing leg, happy, pleasant, engaging in conversation, having a good time with his friends. Now you may be thinking, Dan, you're getting a little weird, getting blessed by a happy one-legged man. But in my defense, I had a sermon on my mind, so just hold on. This might all make sense. Some time ago, I was encouraged by a sermon entitled, Choosing to be Happy. Today I want to share that message with you. Psalm 118, the center chapter of the Bible, verse 24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Choosing to be happy. When we wake up in the morning, we get to choose how we're going to live that day. We can choose to live in faith, happy, expecting blessing, or we can choose to live discouraged, defeated, and focused on our problems. Happiness doesn't automatically happen. It's a choice we have to make. We can't wait to see what kind of day it's going to be. You have to decide what kind of day it's going to be. And so it's important 
to make up your mind, I'm going to live this day happy. If you don't decide how you're going to live, the circumstances of the day will decide for you. The Bible says in Psalm 30, verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Every morning, God sends to us a fresh supply of joy. We have a choice to accept this joy or reject it. You can say, this joy can't be for me. I have too many problems. I got too many things stacked against me. Or you can receive it and say, things may not be perfect in my life, but I know God's on the throne. He's ordering my steps. His plans for me are good. So I'm going to enjoy this day. In Psalm 118, this is what David did. If you're familiar with the psalm, David, he has all kinds of oppression. Armies coming against him. People slandering him. His family was even against him. But in the middle of all that, he said, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. David's circumstances said otherwise. His circumstances said he should be discouraged, afraid, lonely, bitter. But no, he wasn't focused on the negative things. Instead, he makes a declaration of faith. He was saying, despite the opposition, despite the hardship, I will be happy. If you're going to be happy, you have to be happy on purpose. Because there will be people, betrayals, delays, all kinds of things that will steal your joy. You have to put your foot down and say, I am going to be happy. That's it. I'm not letting other people steal my joy. I'm not letting what's not working out cause me to be down and discouraged. I'm not letting this problem keep me from enjoying life. I will rejoice. I will be glad. I will live this day happy. I think it's safe to say David didn't feel happy when he wrote Psalm 118. He felt betrayed. He was discouraged. He was lonely. But he declared, I will rejoice. You see, don't wait to feel happy before you decide to be happy. You have to decide first then the happiness will come. You see, the devil knows if he can keep us down and discouraged, he got us. The devil would love for you to never get your hopes up, to think it's always going to be this way. Just drag through another long, miserable day. <clears throat> it's a mark of maturity when a person can be happy even when things aren't going 
his way. We began to teach our children this at a very young age. We all have seen that child in the grocery store when things don't go his way. Joy is not based on your circumstances, but yet we know that, but yet we say things like, when the pandemic is over and life returns to normal, I'll get my joy back. We say things like, when I finally graduate from school and get that good job, I'll be happy. When I get me a girlfriend or a boyfriend or get married, I'll be happy. <clears throat> if I could get this annoying person out of my life, I would be happy. If you're putting off your happiness, there will always be some reason not to be happy. I'm going to be happy, not when it starts or stops raining, not when I lose 20 pounds, not when the baby sleeps all night, not when the children all finally go to school, or when they are all out of school, or when they are all married, you see. Today I will choose to be happy. You see, today is the day you've been dreaming about. Have you thought about that? Five years ago, you knew that in five years, things would be better. Well, today is that day. If you don't get happy where you are, you probably won't get to where you want to be. <clears throat> the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment means a state of happiness and satisfaction. You see, instead of saying, I can't stand this job, what about contentment? What about a different approach? And say, God, I'm happy that I have a job. Help me not to let these people steal my joy. God, these people are annoying, you know that, but help me to be a light for you and show them your love. You see, godliness with contentment is great gain. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, Ungodliness with no contentment is great pain. If you can have a good attitude where you are, that's a seed God will use to change things. But if you're moody and unhappy at the job and God gave you a better job, when someone does you wrong there, you'll be moody and unhappy at that place too. And so you have to get happy where you are. You control your happiness. It's not up to anyone else. You're as happy as you want to be. We can't get away from negative circumstances. It's a part of life. And just because you have great faith so that you can move mountains will not keep you from negative circumstances. But those things, even though 
They are hard and painful. They don't have to take your joy. You're in control of your happiness. David said in Psalm 144, verse 15, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Sometimes when we look at our circumstances, there's nothing to be happy about. You know what I mean. You've been there. You fill in the blank. In those times, the only reason we can be happy is because God is on the throne. He controls the universe. He's our provider. He's our healer. He's our avenger. He's our way maker. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. Psalm 18 verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. We can be happy because the most powerful force in the universe is on our side. We can be happy that what was meant for harm to us yesterday God is turning to our advantage today. The trial of our faith yesterday is bringing forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness in our lives, even as we speak. Joseph is a beautiful of, start over. Joseph is a beautiful example of one who chose to be happy. His life was one unfair happening after the next. In the last chapter of Genesis, he said to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day, this day to save many people alive. You see, no person can stop God's purpose for you. No circumstance can stop God's plan for your life. When Joseph shared those words with his brothers, he was simply saying that all things work together for good to those who love God. No misfortune, no sickness, no hardship, all the forces of darkness cannot stop what God has ordained for you. And I believe at that moment, Joseph was recognizing that very fact. I believe it's significant that David started off this verse by saying, this is the day the Lord has made. He could have started, I'm going to be glad today, or I'm going to rejoice. He was saying, God, I recognize that you not only made this day, but you allowed me to be alive. You chose me before I could choose you. You formed me in my mother's womb. I'm not going to waste this day living negative, focused on my problems, dwelling on my hurts. 
I'm going to live this day, the one that you created, to the very full. You and I are not here today by accident. God could have chosen anyone to be alive today. There are millions of people that have lived and died, but God handpicked you, each one of us here, to be here at this time and place. He woke you up this morning. He gave you the strength to get out of bed. The scripture says he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And if you're here today and you're breathing, you're alive, you are a special person. The Bible tells us that he puts seeds of greatness in each one of us. As, he, as his child, he calls you more than a conqueror. Romans 8, 37 says, Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. One way we honor God is by living happy. One of the greatest examples of this is nature itself. In Matthew 6, verse 26, Jesus said, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? The last several weeks, as the day begins to lighten, I have been amazed at the vigorous singing of the birds. And I call that good old country music. <laughs> but for the last several weeks, the birds have been singing their hearts out. It's like a bird singing convention over here, over here. They're like trying to outdo each other in volume and in sound. And you know, I'm just still waking up. And I want to say to those birds, why are you so happy? Haven't you read the news? There are problems in this world. There's a war in Ukraine that may turn into a world war. The price of gas is high. The supply chain is messed up. How can you be singing? What if you don't get your worms and bugs tomorrow? What if one of the Martin boys steps out of the house and pulls a bead on your beautiful feathers and sends a load of number eights your way? It's interesting how God has put something in those birds to start the day singing. They say, in effect, life is good. We're happy. We're going to enjoy this day. What would happen if we would have that song of praise every morning, like the birds, not moved by our circumstances, but start the day rejoicing? In the dark, cloudy mornings, when things aren't going our way, sing. 
In the rain, when circumstances are against us, sing. In the wind and cold, when we don't feel like it, sing. One of the greatest bird lessons to be learned is nobody has told them they're supposed to be worried. You see, they haven't watched the news. They haven't read the paper. They're not on social media. No one has told them they're supposed to be worried or afraid or upset. They believe their Heavenly Father is in control. They've seen him take care of them in the past. They believe he will take care of them in the future. The birds teach us, if you're going to live happier, you may have to tune some things out. You can't take in negative all the time and stay strong in faith. The Bible tells us to think on the positive, things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely things, things of good report about ourselves, about others, about circumstances. Little of that is found in the news today. And so our thinking has much to do with our happiness. What we feed on, what we bring into our minds has much to do with our happiness. And so Philippians tells us to think on good things, positive things. Happiness is a powerful testimony. The Apostle Paul went through a lot of trials for the sake of Christ. And we have heard about those trials from little up. And we have almost become calloused to the stories of the Apostle Paul's trials and afflictions. But hang in here with me one more time. I want to show you something. Maybe it's new. But in 2 Corinthians 11, we have a list of some of his difficulties. Three times he was beaten with rods, one stone, three times suffered shipwreck, a night and a day in the deep. It goes on, it talks about in journeys often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, among false brethren in weariness and painfulness and watching often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Difficulties, hardships, trials, things that are less than ideal. In Acts chapter 26, and I invite you to turn there, there's a verse there that I would like you to underline if you underline things in your Bible. But Acts chapter 26 Verse 1, 2, and 3, from what I understand, Paul has been in prison for about two years. And here in the beginning of chapter 26, he's brought before King Agrippa for his trial. And so notice what he says, the first words in verse 2 of Acts 26. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. 
I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I should answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because you are, especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. The first words of verse 2 is what I want you to see here. I thank myself happy King Agrippa. Now you would think after being in prison, he would see himself a victim. He would be bitter, angry, ready to lash out, set the, you know, get the sort, uh, the, settle the score. But no, Paul shows us a secret about, but no, Paul shows us a secret of how to overcome all that. He said, I thank myself happy. Now, Paul wasn't denying his difficulties, but instead of being down and depressed, he had decided, I'm going to thank myself happy. If Paul could thank himself happy, then it's possible to thank yourself depressed or thank yourself into a bad mood. You can thank yourself a victim. As long as you're thinking about your hurts, what you didn't get, how you were left out, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to be down. And so Paul said, I thank myself happy, King Agrippa. You see the attitude there? He chose to have happy thoughts. I will choose to have happy thoughts. I will thank things like I have a bright future. God has something in store for me. Something good is going to happen to me. My latter days will be better than my former days. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Happy thoughts. I thank myself happy. Now, we are not saying today to deny the negative. What we are saying is don't dwell on it. Don't relive what didn't work out. Don't repay the loss, the disappointment, the failure. You can't move forward if you're looking back. You can't enjoy today if you're focused on yesterday. It's true, we may have had real disappointments. Things are not always fair. What we are saying today is you need to join the Apostle Paul and start thinking yourself happy. And after Paul gave this great speech to King Agrippa, he was sent back to prison. His prayer wasn't answered. And you would think now, surely he's discouraged. Surely he's complaining. No, in prison he wrote in Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 
He was telling us, even when it doesn't go your way, just keep thinking happy thoughts. Keep giving God praise. Keep thanking him that he's working in your life. Keep being grateful when you could be complaining. Keep thanking victory, even when you're seeing defeat. Happiness, we learn from the Apostle Paul, is not dependent on what's going on around you. It's dependent on what's going on in you. And so happiness must start in the heart. I'm happy, I'm grateful, I'm blessed. You can't receive happiness if you're thinking sadness. Joy is coming every morning. And sad to say, some people have been bypassing it year after year because of their negative thoughts. We should be the happiest people on earth. There should be a difference between us and the folks that don't honor God. The world needs more happy people. We need more joy in the world. And may we have that testimony like the Apostle Paul in the midst of hardship, that we are people that think ourselves happy. Not that we're denying truth, not that we're denying the truth of our situation, but within that, we are a happy person. This is the day the Lord has made. When you think about the best day of your life, what day would it be? The day you got what? <laughs> you fill in the blank. The best day of your life. You know those days that came to your mind, those days are important days. And we look back to those days with fond memories. But I would believe the best day of your life is today. Today, God has given us another day to be alive. Another day to enjoy fellowship. Another day to enjoy friends and family. Another day to see the sunrise. Another day of possibilities. Another day to pursue dreams, to go after your goals. Sometimes we say, today was just another ordinary day. But really, there is no such thing as an ordinary day. Because like it was in Joseph's story, every day, ordinary or otherwise, has a purpose. Every day is a gift from God. Every day is shaping your life for a future day. This is the day that the Lord has made. In closing, the Bible says in James 4, verse 14, that our life is like a vapor. We're here for a brief moment, and then we're going. 
100 years from now, we'll all be finished. 100 years from now, this group will more than likely be gone. The clock is ticking. How do you want to live your last days? I would believe if we really understood how valuable each day is, I think we'd live it happier. You know, it's so easy to take life for granted. Just get up and go through the motions. Deal with the challenges and another day is gone. But what if we would ask God for a new perspective and start seeing every day as our best day? Life's little problems will become just details instead of the major focus of the day. With a focus of every day being the day God has made. It'll put things into a new perspective. We can enjoy the people God has given us to love. We can stop by and say hello to that neighbor that's lonely. We can think more happy thoughts, live more grateful, and make the most of each day. When Paul came to the end of his life, he said, I want to finish my course with joy. And I ask you this morning, how do you want to leave this earth? You want to leave joyful or go discouraged, down, feeling like a victim? Here I am, Lord. I made it. I believe we all would say, like the Apostle Paul, I want to finish my course with joy. And if that is your desire, then we need to start today. And let's go from here, full of joy, seeing each day as the best day, getting up each morning and choosing to be happy. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I'll say one more thing here at the end. Some, as they read uh, Psalm 118, they see prophecy within that psalm concerning the coming Messiah. And some would see this verse as the day that the Messiah would come and the gladness and the rejoicing. And I see that as well. But you know, the Messiah did come and he lived on this earth and he walked among men and we know how he died. We just celebrated that and rose again. But when he left, he said, I'm coming back. And that day is the day that we're looking for this morning. That will be the day when Jesus comes again. We'll call for a closing song.